And welcome to Mad Village on 98.9 Northwest FM. Uh, you perhaps would have been familiar with this intro track, which was the track to to the introduction to environmentality. However, we have changed names. We have also changed days. And we also have a new presenter, and her name is Carol. Good morning, Carol. Good morning, Jaime. How are you? I'm well for an early Monday morning. <laughs> That's right. Carol, um, perhaps... Um, you could tell us a little bit about the new name, Mad Village. Um, it's a combination of different ideas we were throwing around about naming this program. Um, so I guess the, the previous incarnation of this program, called Environmentality, focused on environmental sustainability and I guess over time branched out a bit into broader issues of social justice. So we wanted to reflect in the new name, um, that broader emphasis. So obviously we're still interested in issues of environmental sustainability and um, improving our planet. Um, but we're also looking at, I guess, the more communal and social aspects of, of justice and sustainability as well. So um, I thought of the idea, it takes a village, which is a fairly common phrase that people use these days to talk about communal responsibility for raising children, supporting young people. Um, and the MAD, uh, those initials stand for another phrase that's used a lot, which is making a difference. So we wanted to focus on talking to different people in our community who are innovative and thoughtful about making a difference to people's lives. So we thought we'd combine the two ideas and call it MAD Village. And I thought also MAD well reflected the personalities of your presenters on this program. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and there was also a side, uh, side effect which we thought was quite good, which was the possibility of having a bit of a segment on the village idiot. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> well, I think uh, there would be quite a few people who would qualify for that uh, this week. <laughs> anyway, but we'll, I don't think we'll do that today. Today, um, we were planning to, to talk to a, a young lawyer and community activist um, who we have been following on Twitter for quite a while and we've been very impressed. He's also written a few articles in relation to the uh, African gangs, um, you know, I, I, I used to call it um, government-fueled... Oh, look, I think that might be our, our guest. Anyway, so we're we're planning to talk to him. Um, and I'm not even going to say his name yet. We're going to play a track and we're going to try to organize that connection very, very quickly and, and we'll be with him very shortly, hopefully. Okay? So let's listen to some Solange. And you know this is uh, Beyonce, Beyonce's sister, so she's, I, I think she's awesome. Overload, a show that's informative, yet entertaining, with a focus on music from the 90s, noughties, and today. Current events, comedy pieces, Overload. and a great range of regular segments. Overload. You can catch John D on Overload, 9 o'clock on Friday night, exclusive to your local radio station, 98.9 Northwest FM. <laughs> Do you want something to do instead of hanging out at home? The Don Bosco Youth Centre, 715 Sydney Road, Brunswick, is open every day except Monday and public holidays. Birthday parties are available six evenings a week and lunchtime on Saturday. 
For times, cost and availability, go to donbosco.org.au or call 9386 Baker Boy with Cloud9. Baker Boy is an Indigenous rapper, actor and musician from Milingimbi in northeast Arnhem Land. Yes, and before that we heard um, Weary by Solange. And Solange, as I was saying, is Beyoncé's sister. But she's also an incredibly talented artist in her own right. And we should now have our guest on the phone. His name is Maker Mayek. Maker, are you there? I'm uh, here. Great to be on your program, Jamie. Yes, we're, we can hear you loud, loud and clear, which is fantastic. Um, and welcome on, welcome to the show, uh, Matt Village. Uh, Maker, could we? Thank you. It's could my we, pleasure. Could we please start by you telling us a little bit about you, and you know, perhaps you know things like what you do for a living, and where have you spent most of your life, and where where are you now, and things like that. Okay, um, Jamie. First of all, I just would like to uh, thank you for inviting me on the program. Pleasure to be talking to your listeners. As you said, um, uh, my name is Makir Mayak. I'm a lawyer. I'm currently working and uh, up and down in Northern Territory, Australia. Um, I have my family is in, is in Melbourne, so I really quite divide my time between Northern Territory and, uh, and Melbourne. Uh, I'm of South Sudanese background. I uh, was born in South Sudan, came to Australia in 2004, where, where I went to, went to school in Newcastle. And then after I went to university in uh, in Canberra, uh, I studied law, Bachelor of Arts, Bachelor of uh, Laws, and then uh, subsequently I was admitted to the practice of law. Um, worked in Sydney and, um, uh, and 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 Canberra, and subsequently came to Northern Territory uh, about four years ago. Wow, it's a it's a pretty impressive uh, story, mate. Um, yeah, thank you. Now, one of the reasons why we wanted to invite you on the show was because I have been following you on Twitter for quite a while and I've been very, very impressed by the, by the campaign that was organized in response to what I, what I called was a, a government-fueled racist outbreak, uh, which was this issue of the African gangs. And, and you also wrote a, a couple of articles which I think were brilliant. Um, so perhaps, uh, you know, to start with, and I think there's a lot more than we can talk about, but perhaps w- we could we could just give you an opportunity to maybe summarize the issues and and maybe talk to us a little bit about the responses that you organized. As as you know, Jamie, uh, the uh, hashtag African Gangs, uh, which became predominantly on on Twitter and uh, on the social media sites, uh, came about as a result of the. Um, the, the media headlines, political statements, 
um, led by uh, Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton, and which uh, were uh, promoted by uh, some sections of the media. Now, as you know, what the, the conversation has been, uh, that uh, uh, activities of a few young men have resulted into the whole community, the African community, and the South Sudanese community in particular, being labeled as, as gangs, and uh, subsequently us being called African gangs. As you know, this has, has very serious consequences on the, on the livelihood of the, of the South Sudanese people in Melbourne and in Victoria and uh, across Australia, as a matter of fact. Um, people are getting insulted in supermarkets. They're being called names. They're being told, go back where you came from. Uh, there are uh, sections of the community that are, um, that are scared because of these statements. So it's generally caused uh, some serious upheavals in the community where they were not supposed to be there in the first place. So that's 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 really the genesis of the uh, uh, these hashtag African gangs because we wanted as a community to reach out uh, to uh, to to all Australians and tell them uh, this uh, these sensationalist uh, media headlines do not reflect the true character of the African people. You know, we we work hard. We love this country just like every other every other Australian. Uh, we want to make sure that uh, we contribute as well to the progress of Australia. And uh, as you will also have seen, the um, the response has been tremendous. Uh, Australians have come out in numbers and have supported um, what what we're saying, and they agree with us that there's no place for this, you know, uh, racist and dis- discriminatory um, uh, headlines targeting a specific community. If there are crimes that need to be dealt with, then crimes must be dealt with, and the best way they are dealt with by the laws enforcement. We, we're all in favor of that. We want to encourage it, and we will also want to assist the government so that we all live in a um, in good neighborhood. Maker, I, I also, um, I guess I, I just wanted to remind people, I, and I'm pretty sure that there's no one who wouldn't have heard those comments made by Peter Dutton, but at some point, he even went to the lengths of saying that people were scared to go out at night to restaurants because of this issue. Um, and then I think what's really interesting is that uh, just a couple of weeks later, the latest crime statistics were released and Melbourne turns to be the safest it has been ever in history. Yes, and, 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 you, and that's, that's, uh, that's why people, are in my, in my view, have come out and said what the minister says is complete nonsense. Uh, the, uh, Melbourne is as safe as uh, anyone's guest, and people people go out. I just came I just came back this morning, as we, we as you know from the, we've been talking. My family's there. I'm there all the time, uh, and uh, the people of Melbourne are always out. There's nothing that's going to stop them. Um, the, the statistics quite clearly, as you, uh, the report came out later, the. Uh, the statistics were changed so that it would fit that narrative of what is happening. And which, pretty much, when you look at those statistics, the, the statistics put the, uh, the, 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 the offenses committed by young people of Sassoonese background out of the top, uh, top five um, when, the, when the, the real figures were provided. So that's, that's really the story. Uh, nevertheless, this is never to say uh, 
um, uh, when a crime is, has been committed, regardless this is one or two uh, uh, crimes, it has to be dealt with and be treated in the best way it can be treated. So the, the whole Melbourne, the, the people of Melbourne are scared of going out for dinner. So it's just, just complete hogwash, yeah. as, you, as you've seen the reaction. Now, Makere, I want to talk a little bit about the, the community response you organized. And also, I'm quite interested in, in how that all happened. But because you mentioned Twitter as well, I just wanted to let our listeners know that we do have uh, a Twitter handle. Um, so that is um, M, uh, in, all, in capital letters, M-A-D underscore village. And you can find us on Twitter and it would be great to, if you could follow us. And obviously, if you want to send any questions to, for Macare, you can also do that now. And there's also an SMS number that you can use. It's 044-777-989 if you want to send us a question for Macare or any comments on how the show is going. So, But yeah, um, tell us a little bit about how that response was organized and coordinated. And, and maybe um, some of the, I mean, it's a pity that people can't see it on the radio, but some of the images that were posted uh, using that um, hashtag African gangs. Well, look, basically the, uh, the, the, the photos that were, uh, that were put up on, on, on Twitter as a result of the hashtags were really to tell the, the Africans or the South Sudanese in particular their story in pictures things that people can see, that we have uh, professionals, we, we have doctors, we have engineers, we have um, uh, human resource managers, we have those who work in the public service. So we wanted to tell the community, despite this, uh, the, this, this uh, labeling, uh, there are uh, lots of Africans who are working hard to... Uh, to, to, to make uh, Victoria a good place, to make Australia a good place, to uh, put in their contribution just like the rest of us. Uh, and that became really quite successful because um, we had not allowed at this point in time uh, media or others to, uh, to tell our story. We reached out and told our story, and the reaction has been fantastic. Now, and that's why we said... Uh, it's it's about time that we that we reach out ourselves to the community. We let's let's engage with the community. Let the community understand the African community a little bit more, because there are not those avenues where people uh, come and forge a better understanding of each other. That will help towards uh, normalizing uh, this. Uh, these headlines, what you read in the media, people will come to understand uh, people a little bit more. So what we intend to do is we uh, uh, invited people, although the date is to be announced, and Western Bulldogs uh, responded and said, look, if there's a, an event that needs to, uh, 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 to be organized uh, in response to this uh, so that it's for the good of the community, um, their oval, little oval, will be available uh, for use, and and it's it's been great. We're you know we're working extremely hard with the Western Bulldogs to put together this event. As you know, the whole of Friday I was um, ahead of our six to seven meetings, uh, just uh, uh, just organizing organizing with the different councils, the Wyndham Council. Uh, Birnbank Council, Melton Council, and so forth, uh, to put together this event. We want as many people to come on board. Uh, we're working with the community as well, so that the community can come uh, and, uh, and showcase their, their, their cultures on the day. 
um, and and that's that's going quite well. So the the event uh, we um, will the, the doors we, at this point in time we're thinking to be sometime around in June early early June, where we will will be open to uh, uh, to, to everyone. Uh, there will there will be food. There will be cultural dances. Uh, there will be other performances. Um, I I've been informed as well. Girls who want to come and you know do the braiding for the for the young ones that want to <laughs> uh, the braiding to be done and and so forth. It's just going it's just going to be a great event. Um, that uh, we anticipate at this point in time that it will be announced the the date uh, around the end of March. By the end of March, everyone should know exactly what uh, um, when this event is going to be uh, to be rolled out and organised. And we will be reaching out to your listeners as well. We will be inviting them to come and share with us and come understand our people a little bit more. Okay, how has the general community expressed their support for your campaign and their disagreement with the scapegoating that has gone on? Has it been mostly through social media? Have there been other ways that people have interacted with you? Well, the social media has been has been vocal in the way that um, we've managed to reach out to thousands of Australians across the country. But the the support has been uh, really has been coming from everywhere. Uh, we've seen the Victoria the Victoria Police have worked extremely hard with the community uh, on the ground, uh, going out on the Australia Day uh, patrolling with the. With with African with African leaders, uh, we saw as well uh, so many people joining the police and the African leaders just to you know walk together in solidarity. Uh, we've also seen uh, people, uh, normal Australians, uh, approaching the, the the community through the, the through the websites, the media, reaching out. We we uh, we're here. We understand your story. We don't believe it. So the, the support has been has been literally coming from everywhere. Uh, the social media has been um, what it's done is it's reached out to a lot of people, uh, uh, Australians across the country. So it's we 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 are humbled by that support, and we uh, we had suspected this is what uh, the, the people of Australia stand for, um, not uh, others being targeted. This not this uh, general, you know, uh, these sensationalist statements being uh, banded around about our community. You're listening to Mad Village on 98.9 Northwest FM, and our guest this morning is Maker Mayek, who is a lawyer and a community activist, um, who, in response to Peter Dutton's African gang um, scapegoating, um, basically they were able to turn something bad into something quite good. I think the, you know, certainly the, uh, as a result of this, uh, a lot of people have learned a lot about the South Sudanese community and also the African community. Um, and it sounds like you have had a, a pretty good community response and lots of people reaching out who wouldn't have done it otherwise. So, I mean, I'm not going to say that we need to say thank you to Peter Dutton, but it's, it's qu sometimes it's uh, quite unexpected what can happen, hey? Yes, it's it's. Uh, I mean, as as fate would have it, uh, Jaime, is uh, these things have been said in the past. Uh, the ministers have made statements in the past. Some uh, yes. media commentators have said these things in the past, but they weren't challenged, and and that's largely because uh, people 
do not want to uh, um, uh, take the conversation uh, far beyond what was at uh, the time in, in the media. But we realized this is not going to stop. It's uh, that time of elections and uh, uh, these people, the politicians and uh, um, some social uh, media commentators will want to find people to, to blame or to further their agenda, political agenda. And this, this was exposing the community, putting the community, community in harm's way. So we thought there has to be a rapid response to this uh, because it will not go away. And uh, uh, it's, uh, what it's done is uh, um, brought uh, to the attention of, uh, of Australians and voters that the politicians are not necessarily uh, doing things uh, for your own good. Uh, political statements are made to achieve certain ends, and, and in this in this uh, in this instance, it was to um, uh, reach out to Victorian voters and, and create an impression that uh, Victoria is not a safe place, which is which is completely false. The statistics speak for themselves. It's it's been the safest, and it has been for such a long time. Now, Macari, I think it might be a good time now to have a bit of a music break, uh, so that our listeners can sort of recharge the batteries and. Um, We'll, we'll come back to this interview. Thank you, because it's been, uh, it, so far it's been really interesting. So um, we're going to listen to a little bit more Baker Boy. Um, that was uh, Carol's choice, by the way, and I think it's a great one. So let's listen to this and we'll come back to the interview. Promoting your business on community radio is one of the smartest decisions you can make. Northwest FM offers you an inexpensive opportunity to access the airwaves where it really matters in your local area. That's where your present customers are. Do others know that you exist? Phone during business hours for details 9304 1244. Northwest FM, promoting local business. One day, you could transform the lives of 10 or more people by becoming an organ and tissue donor. Take some time to think about your donation decision and to register it on the Australian Organ Donor Register. And most importantly, have the chat that saves lives. And let your loved ones know your organ and tissue donation decision. Check out donatelife.gov.au for more information. And you're back with Mad Village. That track we heard just before those announcements was another Baker Boy track called Mariuna, uh, and that was a rap in both English and Yolnu Matha. We now go back to our special guest, Antihami. Yes, uh, Maker Mayek is our guest this morning. And Maker, there's another um, prominent s- s- lawyer on Twitter. Her name is Nyadol Nguyen, um, and I follow yeah. her, and she's fantastic. Um, and I just, she made a comment a couple of uh, weeks ago, which I, I found quite interesting. She said, whenever I do media interviews, uh, people refer to me as a South Sud- Sudanese lawyer. And she says, and why don't, I don't generally do anything to correct that, but it causes a bit of embarrassment because she said, look, I, I just feel that it would be much more accurate to refer to me as a criminal lawyer, given that the fact that I'm South Sudanese doesn't really have anything to do with my profession as a lawyer. Uh, I, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about that. How do you feel in relation to that? 
Oh, uh, look, uh, I, I know Yadol. I've known her for a very, very long time. Uh, we go back to when we still were at university, and we were um, still we, when we came to Australia about about fifteen years ago. Uh, so, it's someone that I know very well, she's got her opinions on things. Uh, sometimes, maybe there are other things that are more important than others. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but obviously, <laughs> if there's a particular way that she wants to be called. Uh, I think that's probably her opinion. But sometimes we, you know, language is just just a matter of language. Um, you know, I'll be I'll be referred to as uh, his lawyer or an activist. But uh, I think it's a matter of language. But if she feels uh, strongly about it, there's a particular way where she wants to be uh, uh, to be called or be referred to. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's probably her opinion. Well, I guess it's uh, for me. It resonates with the, the fact that perhaps you just don't want to be defined completely by your, um, I guess your your uh, or country of origin or something like that. And you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it's it's a matter of opinion, and uh, there there are uh, what's 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 important. It's. Uh, what some the how someone uh, treats you with respect to where you come from, but uh, but if she's of the view uh, that she wants to be referred to in a particular way, uh, then I think probably she has the right. Uh, oh, absolutely, um, yeah. uh, To say that, <laughs> but but you know what the social media what the social media has done is it's you know that's allowed people the ability to express themselves and say things things they are uncomfortable with. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that you know she feels she's uncomfortable being referred to a particular way. Mm. Uh, and I, I'm pretty sure a lot of people do may not may not have any uh, any intentions to. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, to yeah, to to demean or diminish uh, her achievements. Uh, she's done extremely well, and uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of people she speaks to uh, respect her credentials, her achievements, and so forth. Still, it does like add, a, I guess, an extra burden of time and responsibility to both of you and, and to anybody who comes from a what we might call an, an unusual background for, to be in the professions. It, it's happened to women for years. It happens to people from different ethnic minorities. You've got your work cut out for you with your, your career. Um, sometimes it must get exhausting to have to also be the activist and to feel like you're representing your community as well as doing your job. Yes. Uh, and it feels, if, you know, it feels, uh, I, I think all of us, we do have a measure of responsibility, whether it's uh, you, you in your daily, daily practice of law or, or you as a radio broadcaster, you you have other responsibilities in addition to your responsibilities as a broadcaster. But what is, what is done, and I think uh, uh, a lot of lawyers um, um, should also understand the way um, uh, the, the practice of law is um, pretty much um, activism. It's, it's for the for the good of the community, and it, it, yes, and I agree with you. It creates that uh, layer of burden in uh, having to to do uh, um, something extra, extra work uh, to um, to to. Um, in favor, uh, I mean, against bad things that are happening in the community, and and, and I, I see where you know, where you're coming from when you, when you say it creates a layer of responsibility. Uh, say, for instance, myself, uh, the, the beginning of, on Friday, I had about six to seven meetings, and then had to come back and go to work straight the, the, the next day. So it, it gives you the uh, the um, you get to appreciate. Um, 
this is a, there's a lot that needs to be done in the community, and there has to someone has to take up that mantle, and if it means uh, it creates another responsibility, then then I think it's more of a responsibility that that's worth uh, um, uh, taking upon. Now, uh, Maker, one of the I I just wanted to go a little bit to your profession as a lawyer and. Can I ask you how old were you when you arrived in Australia in 2004? I when I came to Australia, I arrived here. I would I was 18 years old. Uh, I came went to I went to went to year 12 straight away. There was uh, Newcastle and set uh, for my HSC the, the 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 year the year after in 2005, and this is when I went to university in 2006. So I was uh, I was quite a, a young person, not so quite right now, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 then I was uh, quite a young person thrown into a different culture, a culture that I never experienced before, uh, and uh, coming from a refugee camp, it was it was extremely daunting. So yeah, can I, can I just ask you, know anybody. how how good was your English when you first came? Well. The, the 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 thing my English was quite good uh, back back in South because South Sudan is uh, is uh, uh, was colonized by the British like Australia so the the language of instructions even in schools and in, in, in South Sudan back in the days of the the war was still going on we still you know we we, we still learned. Uh, English at school, although it wasn't, it was never spoken at home. And then at the refugee camps in the refugee camp in Kenya, the the, the schools, uh, the language of instruction was English. Is the predominantly the language that is used. So by the time we uh, came to Australia, we we had uh, a good grasp of English language. There, there wasn't a great deal of uh, of understanding, but obviously in terms of culture, it was it was. <laughs> yeah, very, 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 extremely difficult. Uh, you know, it's the first time you're, you're in this strange environment with a, not a lot of people that know you or oh, yeah. uh, that understand you and so forth. It it took quite a, a very long time, really, and it's 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 been an extremely uh, lengthy uh, learning process. And um, Maker, what's your what's your native language? Uh, Dinka. Dinka. I speak Dinka. So yes, and, and I speak I speak other languages as well. So I was I was going to ask you as well Arabic. that if you spent if you spent a fair bit of time in Kenya, did you pick up some Swahili as well? Yes, I speak. Uh, I was in Kenya for about seven years, so I do speak I'm quite fluent in Swahili uh, and uh, some working uh, language uh, um, Arabic as well because it's predominantly spoken in South Sudan. Mm because of the uh, the background of um, having the, the northern part of Sudan at the time uh, it's inhabited by Arab speaking people mashallah it's pretty impressive <laughs> <laughs> wow um all right so now um so you you basically came you were 18 you were thrown straight away into what we would call here VCE um, and you oh. did you you managed to do well enough to get into law well the, the what was interesting uh, is uh, right from when uh, I was growing up, I had always wanted uh, to be a lawyer, although no one from my family had, had, had ever studied law, or even at the time I'd never even met uh, a lawyer at my uh, 
previous to uh, conceiving this this dream of becoming a lawyer. So it stuck in my mind. Uh, I heard about it from someone, and it sound, sounded like a really cool name, and I wanted to be one. And uh, it, it's a dream that stayed with me. So as soon as I uh, I came to Australia, I had that opportunity to go to school. Uh, then I worked towards it. I, I, I approached the, 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 um, the school principal and I said, "This is this is what I wanted to do. What what what, what were what were the requirements?" And the school assisted me assisted me towards uh, achieving that goal. So it, it was a combination of personal desire, personal ambition, uh, and as well as the uh, reaching out to the right people and assisting me to uh, to. Uh, get the requirements, uh, to satisfy the requirements to get into uh, law school. Did you come with your parents to Australia? No, I didn't come with my parents. My, uh, uh, my father um, passed on to, during the war when I was five. Um, so uh, I don't, don't really have a, uh, <laughs> a good recollection of him. Uh, my mom passed on uh, after I would have been... Um, uh, about eleven ten, so but I came here with my um, with my with my auntie uh, with her five children and uh, my elder brother, and uh, we all settled in Newcastle. And were there many other refugee students at the school that you attended? Um, no, um, uh, I think it was it was that time when. Um, there were not a lot of assassins coming at the time. I think from from memory, would have, we would only have been only three. There were only three of us, and the the other two were in the the lower classes. So we we saw them during recess or just around the school. But from memory, I was the only I was the only one in the um, the, um, the upper classes, and there were not as many. And how was that experience? Did you? find that you got on okay with everybody with it they accepting supportive yeah well generally everyone was uh, was really really accept, accepting uh, it was it, it was this situation where they've, they've, they've never seen it was there were not as many uh, Africans uh, at the time uh, coming to the school not even in the community so people that just started arriving in Australia and there were not as many and there was this strange, oh, never, never seen an African before. Before, um, there were a lot of people that were interested to learn where you're from, what do you eat at home, uh, you know, what other languages do you, do you speak, do you, do you do, and there was that 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 conception of you, or what people see on the on the movies, or you know, Shaka Zulu, do you, do you do you do you speak that language where they click the tongues? I say no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the uh, Africa is a is a is a, is a huge. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, so there was there was this there was this interest in terms of uh, where, where does this person come from? Uh, the, what are the things these things that we've uh, we've read in the in the, the media? What about this line called Lakuna Matata? What you know? So there was a great deal of interest, but uh, it was it was it was, it was an extremely uh, fascinating time. But at the same time. Uh, quite tough um, because uh, yeah, you, you were confronted with all different sorts of, uh, sorts of things. The, so sometimes some of them, you know, 
were just were just those things that people wanted to know, but you had no answers to. But nevertheless, it was just it was just a fantastic time to uh, uh, you know to, uh, to, to 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 settle in and get acquainted with this completely different culture. So now you are um, practicing in the Northern Territory. Um, how long yes. have you been there? I've been in Northern Territory now uh, for the last, I think this is my fifth year uh, in Dao. I came here um, in January 2014 and I've been uh, practicing here ever since. So th- just tell us a little bit about that. What sort of uh, law do you practice and what has been your experience working there? Yes, I, uh, Northern Territory is uh, it's, it's a very unique uh, part of uh, part of Australia, um, in that uh, it's inhabited by by really um, uh, uh, extremely rich uh, uh, cultures, indigenous cultures, and you, you get to experience what you don't, you may not often see uh, um, in other parts of the country with respect to, uh, to indigenous cultures, and uh, which you know uh, some of them are quite similar to 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 to, to uh, these cultures, especially in terms of you know how do you how do you interact with elders. So I've I've had that opportunity to to be able to um, to go out there and experience a lot of rich and uh, uh, indigenous uh, cultures. So in terms of uh, the practice of law, um, I do litigation. So generally, um, crim- some some uh, um, elements of criminal law. Um, uh, workers' compensation, the, the, the traffic law, uh, medical negligence, and just different wide areas of uh, um, litigation. So, and it, it's been a fascinating time with respect to uh, practice in um, uh, criminal law because uh, you get to come face to face with the um, the difficulties uh, that uh, that people experience, especially people that do not that. that that come from a different, have a different understanding of what uh, um, uh, the justice system is like. Uh, and we've seen, and I'm pretty sure you would have heard as well, uh, the, uh, the difficulties the indigenous people here in Northern Territory experience with the criminal justice system. Mm. Um, uh, so it's that, that aspect of it which, uh, which is extremely challenging, uh, getting, getting to see uh, this is uh, one of our really rich uh, uh, um, uh, cultural group uh, that have existed, existed in this country for a very long time uh, are in this situation where there are so many people in the, uh, the uh, in the criminal justice system. It's 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 it's, it's can be horrifying at times to see. Yeah, I mean, I I do work in uh, in Barbados in in the northern suburbs of Vic- of Victoria and. While we don't work with so many indigenous clients, but we also work with lots of people who are completely disengaged from the justice system. And I mean, quite often uh, it is the experience of, uh, I guess, oppression and and disadvantage. But obviously, there's there's lots lots more cultural layers as well. And I, I mean, I, I guess that's also one question for you, Maker. Uh, you say South Sudan was uh, colonized by the British, and and so was Australia. Um, and I just wanted you to um, perhaps if you have ever reflected on on I guess the the parallels between the histories of of your your country of origin and, and Australia and, and perhaps uh, of racism in general for for all the different uh, groups in in here. Yeah, 
you know, coming to Australia at the time, as I, I mentioned earlier on in the show, it was it was really this fascinating time where uh, you know you you're, you're thrown into this this completely this strange and different culture. Um, people were interested, but at the same time, there were those who uh, just didn't understand where you know the, you know that culture. And it, it was just it was just it was just a, a great time to uh, to um, uh, to be here. But at the same time, it had a lot of difficulties in, uh, in terms of people. People there were just like any other community. There were people that were not uh, that were not just like you for some other reason. So those have been, uh, to a certain degree, uh, the difficulties that pe- that people have experienced, especially people from a refugee background, where um, although you, you um, I was lucky to be able to speak English, which which really assisted uh, towards my transition, but you, you know you get to think about those who come here do not speak a word of English language. They look different. They can't. They they, they don't have the language skills to be understood or even communicate with other people. Um, that itself, you know, uh, can be extremely disengaging because the you, you know you. You're, you're in this community where you cannot you cannot express yourself or people to understand you, uh, and it, it can add to a level of uh, prejudice as well. Because if someone doesn't understand you, you'll feel like you don't uh, you you really don't they don't you, you have no you have no space to uh, um, uh, for them to understand who you are. So it leads to all these these different things as well. Well, it's. Pretty amazing story, Makera. I'm just conscious of, of your time. I mean, you must, uh, you probably need to get ready for the for the working day. Um, and we just want to thank you for being on the show today. It's been a, an absolute privilege to talk to you. Um, and hopefully, we can do this uh, some other time. Perhaps in a few months, you can tell us how things are going. Yeah, it's always been been an absolute pleasure talking to, being able to get the opportunity to talk to your listeners, uh, Jamie, and as a and I and I said each one of us has got a responsibility in terms of what's happening in the community. So uh, I'm completely um, uh, uh, elated to come to your program and uh, reach out to your community. And definitely, there's always uh, that opportunity to come back again and, and you know uh, canvas this uh, these conversations, these these topics from time to time. We will be here for the long haul. So uh, thank you very much, and thank you to your listeners. Thank you, Makar. And we'll put this on 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 the podcast, and uh, feel free to share it with anyone you want. Okay, uh, we'll we'll talk very soon. Thank you very much. Thank you, Makar. And My when pleasure. you a, when you do get a yes. date for that community function, please let us know so that we can tell our listeners as well. We look forward to promoting. Oh, definitely, that. definitely, definitely. I'll, I'll come. I'll come again. Even if it means for two minutes, I'd come and uh, ask your listeners to come and join the event. That would be fantastic. Excellent. Thank you very much. Right, have a, thank you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. And that was Makere Mayek, who is a lawyer and a community activist uh, from the South Sudanese community. Uh, what, a, what an incredible story, Carol. Indeed. Very uh, inspiring. Very inspirational, absolutely. Um, now, we're going to just play a track, um, and then we'll come b- back with some final thoughts um, and perhaps in the meantime, um, a couple of nominations for Village Idiot for this week. I have I have a couple in mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
we all the same, yo. No different. End of the day, we all human. Boy bangs. Promoting your business on community radio is one of the smartest decisions you can make. Northwest FM offers you an inexpensive opportunity to access the airwaves where it really matters in your local area. That's where your present customers are. Do others know that you exist? Phone during business hours for details, 9304-1244. Northwest FM, promoting local business. Northwest FM broadcasts programs in many languages, including Arabic, Hindi, Italian, Samoan, and Maltese. If you or your friends speak any of these languages, why not tune in and have a listen? You'll find a full list of languages and broadcast times on our website, northwestfm.org. And this is Mad Village with Jaime and Carol. That last track was called Black Lives Matter and it was by Melbourne rapper Your Boy Bangs, who, like our guest Makir, is also from a South Sudanese background. Carol, we don't have any time and, you know, it, it goes very fast when you're talking to someone so inspiring and interesting. Just wanted to talk about the nominations for uh, Village Idiot this week. Uh, we haven't even talked about that, but I have I have a great one and it's only very recent. Go for it. Um you know, you would think that uh, Barnaby Joyce would have topped the charts. Um, it's a pity also that we don't have uh, Steve Roberts, Malcolm Roberts, who, you know, has gone from Parliament. But the dark horse, George Christensen. I think he can be a regular nominee. <laughs> did, you, did you find out, did you know, do you know what he did just a couple of days ago? He posted a photo of himself with a firearm with a very incendiary caption that I can't remember. Yes, something like, uh, do you feel lucky, you greeny punks? Indeed. But I hear he's handed himself into police for that. <laughs> anyway, so with that nom- nomination for Village Idiot, we, I'm afraid we have to finish the show. And we're just going to leave you with a taste of um, Eric ba- Erica Badu. And there's no rhyme or reason to this. I just like her and I just couldn't think of anything else. So see you all next week. Thank Bye. you very much. Thanks. Because it's flat on one side Mm -mm -mm -mm. You 